Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. It's the end of another week, uh, end of a beautiful week, and the end of a beautiful week in the Word. It's been so good, and we are this close to finishing the book of Acts. We're in the very final chapter today. We'll finish it on Monday, and then we'll start something new. I threw out that we would do either Deuteronomy or Isaiah, and I asked you to vote. And uh, man, the first two out of the gate were uh, Kyle and John, and they're like, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. And I thought, well, gosh, it's going to be Deuteronomy. But then they're the only two people that said Deuteronomy. Everybody else is like, Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah. So unless there's some uh, amazing, you know, you know, you know, swap in the vote, like mail-in votes or whatever. <laughs> um, we'll start Isaiah on Tuesday. Now, Kyle, I guess you could still, you know, all your kids could vote. And uh, y'all could call your friends and, you know, I don't know, a ballot harvest <laughs> and tilt it toward Deuteronomy. But right now, we'll probably start Isaiah on Tuesday morning. So again, uh, today we're in Acts chapter 28. We'll do verses 1 to 16. We'll finish the book of Acts on Monday morning. We'll start Isaiah on Tuesday. Isaiah is a long book. And uh, I know that you guys are very dedicated Bible readers, uh, scholars, but... Uh, but honestly, we, we may divide Isaiah into two. It, 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 it easily divides into two. Uh, chapters 1 to 39 are called the Book of Judgment. Uh, chapters 40 to 66 are called the Book of Comfort. So we may do the first book uh, in Isaiah, chapters 1 to 39, first. Take a break. Do something else. Come back to it. I don't know. I just like to keep our reading fresh and alive. Uh, there's just no reason in the world to get bogged down in your daily Bible reading. It's more important, I think, to stay fresh because this is really the most important discipline of our lives. We don't want to let it get stale. It's God's Word. It's always good. It's always living and active, but I think the Holy Spirit sometimes will lead us to different places. So let's just listen to the Spirit, to one another, uh, but we'll plan on starting Isaiah on Tuesday unless something big changes over the weekend, all right? Um, so let's jump into uh, Acts chapter 28. We'll finish up the book of Acts here the next couple of days. Uh, Acts. So they shipwrecked yesterday. The ship went aground, just like Paul had predicted. But every single person on board this ship survives without injury, not even a hangnail, you know? Uh, but then they get to the island of Malta. Uh, they find out they're on Malta. Remember, it's it's been so dark and so cloudy. The you know the the sailors don't even know where they are. They can only navigate by the by the sky by the stars, and they can't see anything. And so for that reason, they find out uh, when they get there that they're on Malta because the people from Malta say, "Yeah, this is Malta," <laughs> and so they're on Malta. Uh, Malta in the book of Acts functions as like this pagan barbarian kind of environment right before Paul steps into the, you know, the sophisticated, you know, capital city of Rome. So there's an amazing kind of contrast here. But part of what we contrast is this amazing hospitality of these pagan barbarian Maltese, you know. And so it starts out, <clears throat> they're showing extreme kindness. Uh, it's been dark and cold for so long and it is kind of winter. And so uh, the the natives build a fire for uh, for the you know people that have been shipwrecked. Paul's not too good to help feed the fire, so Paul grabs a bundle of sticks and throws them on the fire, and a snake comes crawling out and bites him on the hand. Right? Is it the hand? Yeah, bites him on the hand. Well, the Maltese see this. They know this is a poisonous viper, you know, and they watch it just, you know, it, it digs its teeth into Paul's hand and then just hangs there. Paul has to shake it off and he shakes it into the fire. And the people from Malta are like, he's, you know, he's, you know, somehow 
the universe allowed him to survive this shipwreck, but the universe is going to get him now. He must be a terrible person because the universe ain't going to let him live. He's going to die now of a snake bite. So according to the scripture, they just all sit around to watch him swell up and die. I mean, honestly, that's what the scripture says. They waited to see if he would swell up and die, but he didn't. He didn't. So they said he must be some kind of murderer, you know, because the universe is going to punish him and kill him now. After, after you survive the shipwreck, he'll die of a snake bite. But then he doesn't die like nothing. Like he, he shakes it off and keeps going. So after that, they're like, he's a God. I just think that's really funny. I think it's funny because that's how people are. You know, people will tear you up uh, just to, you know, they'll tear you down just to build you up you know, and vice versa. So he's a murderer. No, he's a God. Well, actually, he's just a guy, you know. The hardest thing in the world for people like me and you is just to see other people as people, you know. They don't have to be evil. They don't have to be murderers. They don't have to be gods. They don't have to be, you know, goddesses, you know. I mean, people are just people. And why that's so hard for us to understand. Like I say, we build people up so high and then we tear them down so low. And uh, gosh, Give people a break. You know, they're just people. Everybody's just people. You know, Paul's just a guy. I mean, he's a guy that God's got his hand on. And that's really, I think, the point of the story that God, by his providence, is going to protect Paul through everything, through everything, for shipwreck, snake bite, all of it. God is going to take care of Paul. And actually, I, I, I love that. Um, but if God is so, you know, protective of Paul, if God is so determined to get Paul to go to Rome, why does literally everything bad happen? Like literally everything bad happened. You know, Paul's gone weeks without food. He's been, you know, starvation and shipwreck and storm and now snake bite, you know, and arrested and, you know, been in front of every judge, you know, from here to Caesarea. And it's like, if, if God is taking care of Paul, <laughs> then uh, why is Paul having such a hard time? Like, it's one thing to protect him from the snake bite, but why don't you just protect him from the snake, you know? I mean, it's wonderful to be delivered from a terrible, you know, month-long storm on the Mediterranean Sea, but why not just, you know, let you avoid the storm altogether, you know? I mean, it's one thing to give you, you know, poise and composure before judges and kings, but then why not just not let you get arrested, you know? Why do all these bad things happen to Paul if God is actually using Paul, protecting Paul, guiding Paul's steps? I mean, why, you know? Well, I got a couple of ideas. The first one comes from the book of Acts. In, was it chapter 9 when Paul's... Uh, Paul's still blind, and God's talking to Ananias, and Ananias says, I don't think you know who you're talking about, God. This Paul's a bad guy. And God says, well, Ananias, I know that's the Paul you know, but I know a different Paul. And he's actually the instrument I've chosen to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And I think it's verse chapter 9, verse 16. Look it up. Um, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Like, like that's the first thing. God said, talking to Ananias about Paul, I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer for the sake of my name. So suffering was ingredient, you know, to the very commissioning and calling of Paul. But then you go on and read the, you know, the, the letters of, of Paul. And uh, for him, suffering really is a part of following Jesus. And it's not a part of following Jesus that Paul 
uh, seeks to avoid or finds shame in. You know, Paul goes in 2 Corinthians to talk about his thorn in the flesh and the way he has suffered along the way. And he says that he has learned uh, that uh, from the very, you know, voice of God to him uh, in uh, Paul's weakness, God will show his strength. You know, in my weakness, he is strong, Paul would say. I think that's wonderful. In the book of Philippians, Paul says, hey, I, I know you're hearing about all the bad things happening to me. You just need to know that everything that has happened has actually helped spread the gospel, you know. So for Paul, it's never about what happens to him or how's he doing today. It's about how is today going to advance the gospel. And Paul never stops, you know, to ask himself, how am I, how am I doing today or how am I feeling today or what are my circumstances today? Paul understands that his life is worth nothing if it's not for doing the will of the, the God who has called him, the, the Christ who has saved him. You, you see that? So they end up on Malta at the estate of a dude named Publius. He is the chief official of the island. Um, when it says he, he let us stay with him for three days, I don't know if it's like all what 200 whatever people on the ship or, or just the Christian group. Uh, it sounds more like the Christian group to me. Uh, but uh, Publius' father was ill with fever and dysentery. Uh, true story. Uh, in Paul's day, there was a very famous uh, sickness on, on Malta. It's called the, uh, the the Malta, I think it's called Malta fever, something like that. Malta fever. Look it up. Um, it was a sort of a gastric fever that was caused by uh, some sort of microorganism in goat's milk. And it was very common and very deadly in Paul's day. So it's very likely that Publius's father has uh, Malta fever, but uh, Paul heals him and then a lot of other people uh, as a result, they shower the people with honors. Uh, when the time comes to leave, people of Malta supply them with everything they, they would need for help. Now, it, we don't get any indication here that Paul preached and witnessed, but we know he did. Uh, we know he did. But I think part of what Luke is trying to do here, again, is set up this this pagan, barbarian, you know, favor toward Paul and, and the Christians. Um, like I say, I think Luke is making a case here. And, uh, and uh, I'm telling you, Paul is one who wins people over. Paul is one who means no one any harm. He doesn't offend. He doesn't break laws. And uh, everyone who knows him loves him. I mean, that's kind of where Luke is going. Three months, they're at Malta. They wait for favorable conditions. And then they set sail once more for Rome. Luke gives you all the stops along the way, as he always does. And then he says in verse 14, we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. Uh, that And so we came to Rome, in, in many ways, I think is probably the, the climax of the book of Acts. In, 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 in a certain sense, when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses you know, in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, it's almost like Rome represents the ends of the earth. The gospel has traveled now that far. Um, but also, and so we came to Rome. Uh, I mean, Paul's been in motion since we met him, since the Damascus Road, and now he's in Rome. You know, he's reached his destination. So in, in many ways, that, and so he came to Rome is, uh, is kind of the climax. It's Rome, but it ain't Rome, Rome. I mean, you know, because then later it's like, and then we arrived in Rome. So uh, Luke has a very like broad definition of what Rome is. I think in verse 14, we came to Rome. Well, we're, we're pretty much there. You know, we're on the outskirts. We're in the country, whatever side. But, uh, but you know, Rome, Rome is where he is permitted to have his own private lodging, though he's guarded by a soldier. That's how it ends in verse 16. Um, I think the interesting thing about the narrative here in chapter 28 is that like Julius, 
who is, you know, captain of the guard, and these Roman soldiers are all guarding Paul. They're, they're not keeping a close eye on him. And, uh, and once more, I think Luke is stressing the fact that they trust him, that they know that he is not a criminal. And so for that reason, he enjoys a tremendous amount of freedom and independence, even though he is, quote, in chains. Um, in verse 16, he is house arrest. So again, he's not utterly free, but he has quite a lot of freedom for a man who is there as a criminal uh, facing a trial uh, by Caesar. So anyway, that's where we leave him in verse 16. We'll pick up right here Monday morning. We'll finish the book of Acts chapter 28 verses 17 to 31. So we'll pick that up on Monday. Uh, this coming Sunday morning, uh, 11 o'clock service at Woodburn is a kids-led worship service. It's going to be fantastic, but I'm taking that opportunity all day long to preach a special message on families, on parenting, uh, so if you're a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or grandparent, whatever, if you've got kids in your life that you want to influence for the sake of the Lord, then uh, don't miss Sunday's message. Uh, it's called Parents Are Weird, and I'll be preaching at 8, 9.30. The kids will lead the 11 o'clock service. So if I don't see you Sunday, I'll see you at 10 o'clock on Monday morning, Lord willing, for 10 with 10. I love you guys so much. Thanks for a good week.